When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's a solution to cutting yourself while shaving, and it's Manscaped. You've heard us talk about it for years, and you know it's trusted by over 2 million worldwide. You should also know that using code DNVR gets you 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. It's called the Performance Package, and inside you'll get the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker Ear, Nose, and Hair Trimmer, liquid formulations, as well as two free gifts. It allows you to spend spooky season using the best tools for the job at manscaped.com using code DNVR for free shipping and more importantly, 20% off. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee will improve the quality of your morning because it's rich in CBD and CBG and will have you feeling as good as I've been because their CBD infused coffee helps with chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, so much more. Plus there are zero coffee jitters if you want three or four cups a day like I typically do. And now you can get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25, please, please support them because they've been supporting us for years with code DNVR25. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's podcast, we welcome you into the working week, and we remember the 2007 World Series. Yeah, it is that time. Got kicked off on October 24th, October 25th, as you listen to this on Monday morning. Game two has already gone down some 14 years ago. We'll remember some of the best moments. Not all the moments, because many of them were not good moments, but we'll remember the better ones. We'll also talk about the upcoming World Series between Houston and Atlanta, and maybe get into who you should be rooting for, and it might not really have anything to do with who's on the field, but we're going to lead off with the unveiling of Top of the Rockies. This is a new end-of-season series that I'm going to be working on for the next two weeks, highlighting the best moments, the best players, and numerous categories from the 2021 season for the Colorado Rockies. Because just telling me about what happened, you know, you were there, you saw it. So there needs to be a fresh and interesting take. And so... And by the time you're listening to this on Monday, the 
first article has already dropped about the best performances in 2021, both best from the hitter perspective and pitcher perspective from the Rockies, as well as what player had the best game against the Rockies. Yeah, I, I did have to give out an award to an opponent. Thought it was only fair to talk about some of the great games that were played against the Rockies. None that really stood out as being epic. We know the Rockies did not get no hit. There was no perfect game thrown against them in the year of the no hitter uh, in the, in the first half or at least first third of the season when it was the year of the sticky stuff, Rockies did not get no hit, which is pretty impressive. And so I think the best performance by an opponent is a deserved honor, but not necessarily one we're going to remember for years and years to come. Though I don't know that I can say the same about the Rockies' best performance on both the hitter and pitching pitching side. They were both fantastic. On Tuesday, I'll be dropping the most memorables, right? The memorable moments, like the quirkiest things that happened, the most emotional thing that happened, and maybe just the overall worst thing that happened in 2021 for the Rockies and for Rockies fans. On Wednesday, the best moment And there were actually a lot of really great moments that we can go back and think of. The All-Star Game being one of the biggest ones. Spoiler alert, that will not be the best moment because there were a lot of really great moments this year for those who watched this entire season or who have been lifelong Rockies fans. You should know what I'm talking about. And then on Thursday is the start of very specific player awards. When I set out this idea and this plan to give out awards to individual players. I didn't just want to give out the typical awards like MVP and the Cy Young Award. We know what those are. And yes, I'm going to be giving out equivalents to that. But I wanted to honor some Rockies greats, both past and present, because we've talked about it on this podcast a lot. And I hear it from all of you whenever we talk at the DNVR bar or at, at various different events. I talked to a lot of fans uh, at the McBride brothers signing up at Shields. That was in Loveland. Uh, Actually it's in Windsor in Northern Colorado. And there needs to be some recognition regarding the Rockies history and the organization needs to do a better job of that. You remember how great it was even just seeing first general manager, Bob Gebhardt, come out and you know seeing pictures of of Clint Hurdle who was there he wasn't part of the ceremony but just knowing that these legendary Rockies members of the of the organization that they were there they were in and around the ballpark we want to see them more so much more and so I thought maybe this moves the needle somewhat so on Thursday I'll be giving out the fan favorite of the award for the the player that you guys out there really seem to cling to the most. He was your favorite guy. And so I decided to aptly name it the Ryan Spielborgs Award. Because before he entertained on AT&T Sportsnet, and and now he stars on MLB Network Radio, he's fantastic. You probably saw him out there in in game six for the, the NLDS covering that between Atlanta and Los Angeles. He's you know, been delighting Rockies fans since the 2007 World Series. He has that kind of personality. Everyone loves Billy. Everyone does, and, and rightfully so. He's fun, right? So he's a fan favorite. 
the award should be named after him. On Friday, the Unsung Hero Award will go out, and who better, as far as unsung heroes go, it should be someone that you don't think about very often. And that's kind of the point. I decided to name it the Steve Reed Award because Steve Reed represented the Rockies through the first five seasons, right? 93 through 97. First five seasons in existence. And he, he actually pitched more games than any other Rockies player. But he's a name that we don't really know and think about and talk about very much, unfortunately. He spent half of his 14 years in purple. And his 140 ERA plus remains a staggering figure that's often overlooked and forgotten. Not not here on the DNVR Rockies podcast, not in years prior, even before I joined the DNVR Rockies team, there was a great honoring of Steve Reed. And so we're going to continue that with the unsung hero. Next week, the big five awards. Well, the fifth award really would be manager of the year, but the Rockies have only had one this year. Uh, I think they're probably only going to have one next year as well, as, as Bud Black does look to be somewhat of a shoe in to start the season and probably finish the season as well. But reliever of the year, right? We've got the the pitcher of the year, right? We've got the Cy Young Award. But reliever of the year, I, I named the Brian Fuentes Award because during his successful year with the Rockies, Fuentes was named to the NL All-Star team three times, more than any pitcher in franchise history. He saved 115 games. And, and that's most among any Rockies reliever. So the Reliever of the Year Award is the Brian Fuentes Award. The Rookie of the Year is the Jason Jennings Award. Jackie Robinson won the first Rookie of the Year Award in 1947. And that's actually what the Rookie of the Year Award is, is named, the Jackie Robinson Award. But Jason Jennings is the only Rockies player to ever be given this award. So it's only fitting Jason Jennings has that award named after him. Next Wednesday on November 3rd, by this point, World Series will be over. The Hank Aaron Award is given out to the best hitter in each league. And the only man to ever win the Hank Aaron Award for the Rockies is none other than Todd Helton. So the Todd Helton Award will be given out to the best hitter on the 2021 Rockies. Now, in the year 2000 was when Helton was awarded the prize. Number 17 hangs up in the second deck as the first player to have his number retired. And part of that ties in with him being honored for that Hank Aaron Award in the year 2000. While no Rockies player has ever won the Cy Young Award, Ubaldo Jimenez remains one of only a handful that have ever even been given a vote in the Cy Young Award voting by the Baseball Writers Association of America. He's the only one to throw a no-hitter. He did finish third in the 2010 Cy Young Award voting, and he also started the All-Star game. Didn't mention that. So his third-place finish in Cy Young Award voting is actually highest in franchise history. And finally, November 5th, next Friday, by the time you're listening to this, the MVP Award will be given out. That is aptly named the Larry Walker Award because, as we know, in 1997, Walker won his only NL MVP award en route to a Hall of Fame career on the backs of an NL leading 49 home runs, top marks and on-base, and slugging percentage. It remains the only MVP award in Rockies history. So I thought it fitting 
to honor the best in 2021 with the best in Rockies history with these awards. So I, I'm very excited for the top of the Rockies series. Keep an eye on that for the next two weeks and on Twitter every day. I think we'll get some other things possibly going on Instagram and TikTok for you guys to vote and share your opinions as who you think should win the award or maybe who's gotten overlooked, who should who should get a vote, so to speak. And when I say that, I mean, and, and this is something that I, I love digging into, when we get to the to the point in November when they're handing out the official Cy Young Award and MVP Award, and the MVP in both leagues, you can vote up to 10 players, right? It's 10 players deep, first through 10. And it's always interesting to see who gets like an eighth and a ninth place vote on one guy's ballot and yet is on nobody else's ballot. Or who gets a fourth place vote and is on nobody else's ballot. And you go, wow, that is a serious anomaly. But you know what? That voter saw something in that player or is a big fan, whatever it may be. Maybe you're a big fan of someone that I'm not going to give enough credit to. Maybe they are only the fifth most valuable player. Maybe they are the sixth fan favorite. Whatever it may be, reach out to us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies and share your opinion on the next two weeks for the top of the Rockies. Okay, DNVR family, we are so thankful for everyone who's been participating in our tailgates and all of our watch parties. Avs and Nuggets are rip-roaring. It's been fantastic seeing the bar packed, getting to meet so many of you. Some I've met in the past. Some of you, new friends, right? New family. You guys are, you guys are all valued members of our community and we're so excited that you know now we've got happy hour every day from three to six with drink specials appetizer discounts can't go wrong at the dnvr bar on the corner of colfax new york you know if you're a member you get that member sized beer and for only 50 cents for your first month you can sign up to be a member of the dnvr.com if you want an annual membership guess what you're gonna get a free shirt from dnvr locker Com. Check us out, thednvr.com, if you're not already one of our beloved members. And our beloved beer is always on tap at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax, New York. That's Breckenridge Brewery, our official beer. And also our official seltzer. That's right, because they also supply us with some good company hard seltzer. We've always got it in stock. And if you want to keep it in stock in your own fridge, you can head down to King Supers, Costco, just about anywhere to get your very own tap pack. That's what we call the 15-can sampler of hard seltzers with some delicious flavors in there. That's Breckenridge Brewery's Good Company Hard Seltzer, an easy choice for a great company. Speaking of great companies, we've partnered with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, they've got an offer every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. That's right. Five for 200 It's that easy and rewarding. DraftKings customers can also, can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR 
because new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700. My DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week is the Houston Astros over Atlanta in the 2021 World Series. I also like for them to do it in six games. And right now in DraftKings Sportsbook, if you take Houston to win four out of those six games, that's plus 390. That is a very solid payout. In fact... That's the favorite. That's Those are the odds are actually on that. So I'm not really going out on a limb, but you can see how the favorite being 390 is a really solid payout. If you want to go a couple different ways, even if you like Houston in seven games, that's plus 400. And if you're an Atlanta fan, you're really going to like the odds because Atlanta in six is plus 600 at the time of this recording. And if you want them to win it in in five games, which we haven't seen that in quite a while, that's plus 750. That's some good payouts. But me, I'm going with Houston in six games, plus 390 for my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. Well, as I stated in the beginning, we are now in the 14th anniversary of the 2007 World Series. Yesterday, October 24th, would have been game one. Today, October 25th, would have been... Game two, you know, obviously the Rockies got swept, but there were still highlights. There's still memory. There's still history. And there's still some things to break down that maybe have been discussed in various places at various times. But I'm going to try to cobble it together for you in one spot to kind of brush the dust off some of those old memories. Of course, we know that the Rockies had to sit out eight consecutive days, while Boston had only two off days, which you would think, hey, you'd rather more days than not. But as it turned out, that was was not great. You know, Rockies actually became the first National League team to get swept in a World Series after they themselves had swept in the NL Championship Series. The A's, the same thing happened with them in 1990, of course, in the American League. And then eventually in 2012, the same thing would end up happening to the Tigers as they were swept by the San Francisco Giants. Tigers swept the Yankees in the ALCS. So Rockies still remain the only team to do that, to do the sweeping in the NLCS and then get swept in the World Series. The funny thing that you know, gets touched on from time to time because those eight days were just so huge, so huge, such a disadvantage really to rest up all that much because during the season, Rockies and Red Sox did battle and the Rockies came out ahead. They won two out of those three games in Fenway. And the one game they did win a close two, one context uh, contest. It, it, it was difference of one run. That was it. It was one run. And so the Rockies were, in fact, the only team to have that good of a winning percentage against the Red Sox. Sure, it was only three games, but the next closest was the were the Tigers, 
who were nearly at about a 500 winning percentage. They went four and three against Boston, whereas the Rockies went two and one. And I think only the Yankees were the only other team that had a winning record against the Red Sox that season. It should also be noted that the Rockies became only the third team in World Series history to not commit an error. Yeah, that's right. 1937 Yankees, 1966 Orioles were the other, but the defense was mighty strong. We tweeted it out from the DNVR Rockies account on Twitter, at DNVR underscore Rockies, if you're not already on there. Follow us, even if you just want to get the news of the day, because we're covering all things Rockies there, of course. You know the first at bat was center fielder Willie Tavares, first hit, Garrett Atkins double. He eventually scored the first run. That was on a base hit by Mr. Troy Tulowitzki, who had recorded the first RBI. Spilly, Mr. Spielborgs, uh, he had the first walk in World Series history for the Rockies. He was also the first DH, period. That's right. Remember, uh, or rather I should say he wasn't the first DH overall, but he was the, he was the first DH in the World Series. And... You know, the the home field advantage for Boston, when you go back and look, again, the memories get a little hazy, different things start to blur together, and you forget, I do it, I, I do it frequently, where I go, ah, I keep making the same mistake, and I say this guy's name, and it's another name. Boston did not have home field advantage because they had a better record than the Rockies. They did, but that's not why. It was because, remember, at the time... There was a tie in the All-Star game, and so the great idea was whoever wins the All-Star game has home field advantage. The American League won that year, and that was because the final vote that year came down to five players, none of which were Rockies, but Chris Young of the Padres went on to win the final vote, and he gave up the first runs of the ball game in the fifth. Gave up two runs. He got stuck with the loss in that game. It was a very low-scoring ball game. And oddly enough, the two runs came on an Ichiro Suzuki inside the park home run, which was the first in All-Star Game history. So <laughs> you can thank the, the lack of home field advantage for the Rockies in the 2007 World Series on an inside the park home run in an All-Star Game in a glorified exhibition by a Padres pitcher who was the last one added to the roster. And that's why Boston hosted games one and two. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make it up. It's crazy. It's crazy. Brian Fuentes was on the team, didn't even play in the game. Matt Holliday was the only representative of the Rockies, right? He did have two at-bats, came in late, nothing happened. But again, the Rockies were barely represented in the game that meant Kind of meant the most to them, right? At that time, of course, none of us knew that. And you know, you're 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 fudging the numbers, if you will. You're 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 twisting it a little bit. You're twisting a tail, and I get it. And it's it's for entertainment purposes. But at the same time, is there a little validity to it? Would that have changed anything? Don't know. Who's to say? But it's fun to kick these ideas around. Carl Ustremski threw out the first pitch before Game One. Josh Beckett was great there in game one, by the way. He did get knocked around, and so did Kurt Schilling get knocked around in those other two games they played over the summer. Again, this was in June. Game two, 
I want to mention 12-2 to two victory for the Rockies at Fenway. They crushed Kurt Schilling. Brad Hop had a three-run homer in that game. And on June 14th in Fenway, Rockies won 7-1. to one. So quick math in my head, looking at the numbers, plus 15 run differential for the Rockies in those two games. Or rather, the three-game series, plus 15. Man, just wish they didn't have to wait eight days. Just wish they didn't have to. Pedroia hits the only the second leadoff homer in World Series history back on Game 1 on October 24th, on October 25th. More of the same with the Red Sox winning. And it was, you know, how about this? Do you remember? Here, let's, let's focus on more of the positives for the Rockies. Do you remember who hit the only triple for the Rockies in that World Series? Think about it for a second. Who hit the only home runs? Brad Hopp. He had one. Garrett Atkins, Matt Holliday, they both homered off Hideki Okajima. And Brett Hopps homer actually came off of Manny Del Carmen, who, yes, later threw the final pitch of his career in 2010 with the Colorado Rockies. Who hit that only triple? Brett Hopp. Brett Hopp is the only man to triple in the World Series for the Colorado Rockies. There's also only one fielder's choice by the Rockies, Matt Holliday. Strange. Garrett Atkins, Willie Tavares, both got hit by a pitch. Troy Tulowitzki hit a ground rule double, which we know how those go down in Fenway Park. One current manager also appeared in that series, Alex Cora. He was only 31 at the time. I think he's only about 40. He's 46 now, yeah. Do the math, Patrick. You can do it. And you also might find it interesting that some of the active umpires that were in that game were Ted Barrett and NLCS darling Laz Diaz. Yes, he was there. Didn't didn't really screw anything up at that time. Go back and watch. You know, maybe there were some big calls. We 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 are hyper focused right now on the jobs that the umpires are doing, and I think rightfully so because there is not the transparency from Major League Baseball that we would like to see, and so. I understand why the hand is being forced to go with technology. But nevertheless, it was a different time in 2007. We'll, we'll kind of leave it at that. So 2007 World Series, I'll talk about it again at some point this week. I have a, several guests lined up. You know Drew Goodman's going to be joining us this week. Got to get our guy Andrew Mason on to talk about Atlanta because he is a huge Atlanta fan. We talked with our guy AJ Hayfley from the Avalanche beat. He's a big Houston fan. I don't know that I want to have both Mace and AJ in the room at the same time. I, I might quite literally have to wear a referee's uniform to separate them. And then even still, I might need a few more security. More security guards, members of the security staff, whatever it is, because we know how passionate those two dudes are. And I really wouldn't have it want to have it any other way, but I, I'm going to refrain from putting them together in the same room, whether that's via Zoom or that's in person in the studio. It would be much better in, in Zoom. Safety purposes, it would be better in Zoom, but your entertainment purposes, I know you guys, you, you want them in the same room. Chomping at the bit. I can't, I can't have that happen, unfortunately. We need to make sure we saved a little 
integrity from those two gentlemen on the Avs and Broncos beat. And speaking of saving, you know, the folks over at Ball Aerospace Technology, they're one of the companies that we love so much because they're trying to save the world by practicing diversity and inclusion, right? They've been noticed by the Human Rights Campaign. That's why they've got a corporate equality index score of 100%. They don't care about your background, whatever it may be. If you're from out of state, if you're not native, it doesn't matter. It's not going to prevent you from being successful with Ball. You're free to be your authentic self. And right now they're looking for people to be their authentic self who have some technical and mechanical skills to help them manufacture aluminum cans and bottles, which they've been doing for a long time. It's an iconic brand. They're doing big things there at Ball. In fact, you can be a part of that. You can be a part of something bigger than yourself with Ball. So text GOLDEN to 77222 and you'll get linked to open positions. Or you can go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN or simply text GOLDEN to 77222. We already brought you damn good beer. And now we're going to bring you damn good beef with Hassel Cattle Company. So damn good that you can now get their Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in New York. That's right. We couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in our bar for you to come down, build your own delicious Hassel Cattle Wagyu beef burger with all the toppings you want at one of our watch parties or just hanging out on a random Tuesday evening or during happy hour. It's the finest beef around. And if you want to get your own and stock your own fridge at home, go to HassleCattleCompany.com, H-A-S-S-E-L-L. Use code DNVR10 at checkout so you can save 10% every single time at HassleCattleCompany.com by using code DNVR10 to save 10% every single time. You're also going to save 20% at Solus Meds this month. They're hooking it up with some smoking hot October deals at this premier Colorado dispensary. And they've got four locations conveniently located where you want them to be. Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, as well as two right down here in Denver. One off Broadway and one just blocks away on East Colfax. Just blocks away, as I said, from the DNVR bar. Even if you don't remember DNVR 20 as your code, you're still going to get 25% off all kinds of treats like the gummies, their Solus bars, sticks, extractions, 1906 drops. That just comes right off the top for being a nice person, which we imagine you are going down to Solus Meds because they are, and that's the kind of people they attract. But if you head into any of their locations, you can actually get a free Solus bar or King Cone. Delicious. When you mention code DNVR20, you can get those free at any location of Solus Meds. Also, make sure you mention DNVR20 as your code to receive 20% off. SolusMeds.com, S-O-L-A-C-E-Meds.com. You can also check out their online menu ahead of time, order online, and then just pick it up at your own convenience. Mention code DNVR to save 20% at SolusMeds.com. Last but not least, we've got to talk about, well, it's not the trial of the century, but it certainly is somewhat of a, a trial held in the court of public opinion because it's Astros and it's Atlanta. Who the heck should you root for? Everyone, of course, is ablaze for Tyler Matzik. I think that's the guy. We've been talking about it all offseason. Atlanta has had the most 
ex-Rockies players. They've had the most ex-Rocks represented from the coaches you know, like Walt Weiss, Eric Young Sr. You also might remember the name Sal Fasano, backup catcher that spent a tiny bit of time in purple, but he's there. Chris Martin, not lead singer of Coldplay, but the relief pitcher. He's been on and off the postseason roster, been a bit banged up this season, but spent some time, of course, in Denver. But Tyler Matzik is the guy. And look, by no means am I telling you who you should root for. What I am trying to communicate is that it's difficult right now to be a fan of any team at any time. And ultimately, at the end of the day, your decision for who you want to root for is your decision. And that's fine. As long as you're being a good fan, as long as you're being a good person, it's all right at the end of the day. Because I think all organizations, all teams in some shape or form, they're imperfect. They're imperfect. They have their scars. They've got certain things that they could be doing better. They've got certain scandals for better or for worse. It doesn't represent everyone in the organization. It may not even represent who the organization is at that time, or it may represent them very perfectly. That's everyone's opinion to each their own. But I just thought I'd lay out some facts and figures for everyone who can't decide maybe who's the lesser of the two evils here between Houston and Atlanta. Houston, of course, I think is the obvious villain due to the sign-stealing scandal. To back up a little bit, on January 13th, 2020, Commissioner of MLB Rob Manfred announced the results of the investigation into sign-stealing, and it showed that the Astros had illegally used video camera system to steal signs during the 2017 regular season and postseason and parts of the 2018 season. The report said the team had stopped in 2018 and there was zero evidence of cheating in 2019. And the further along I give information and the further along you dig, the, the grayer it gets, the more nefarious it seems to be. But the punishment was $5 million for the team, drop in the bucket, am I right? And the loss of the first and second round picks in 2020 and 2021. So they lost four really good picks, which is going to hurt them in the future. But teams that do a good job at developing players and can be crafty and have large analytic teams, you can make up for that. that that's not going to entirely cripple an organization. But it's, it's a punishment. Is it enough? Probably not. The general manager, Jeff Lunau, and the manager, A.J. Hinch, were suspended for the entirety of the 2020 season. And in reaction to that, the owner, Jim Crane, actually fired Lunau and A.J. Hinch. It should be noted, Jeff Lunau has tried to throw some lawsuits out there against Houston. A.J. Hinch has since been hired as a manager for the Detroit Tigers. And if you watch any of those games this year, you saw him back in the dugout. Yeah, not a lifetime ban, just a one-year ban. And how does the sport respond? They welcome him back with open arms. Do that. Do with that what you will. Now, the reason why Rob Manfred held the general manager accountable was because he, he said essentially that, look, if you're the general manager, you need to emphasize 
a certain way of being, right? A certain culture, if you will. And so while Lunao maybe didn't necessarily know what was going on, he definitely allowed it to continue. So you know what? The sword has to fall on somebody. In fact, the culture is part of what led one of the assistant GMs, Brandon Taubman, to make some misogynistic remarks to a female reporter after the Astros clinched the 2019 pennant. Uh, Taubman was later fired about lying about the comments, and then he was banned through baseball at least through the 2020 season. Not a lot of information has gotten out there about if he was, he's been allowed back or been hired somewhere else. Look, it's an old boys club. He's probably going to be welcomed back, which again, kind of lets you know the severity of this sign-stealing scandal. Because, and again, this is, this is my take, and, and look, some of this, this, these are facts. It's, it's yes, it is the Astros sign-stealing scandal, but it's also MLB's sign-stealing scandal. You know, MLB gave immunity to players to cooperate because they were worried that they wouldn't win grievances from the players' union, and off the record, they did not want the sport to be completely disreputed because if players are now saying, well, wait a minute, you're going to ban me for life? What about this other guy? Or what about this other situation? And it becomes something much bigger. So the sport and MLB and all 30 owners need to make sure that it gets tamped down. And so somebody has to fall on the sword and it's the Houston Astros. We know that Boston was implicated in this as well. So it wasn't just a Houston scandal. Boston was involved in it with it as well. The team's replay operator was suspended for the entire 2020 season. Boston lost a second round selection in the 2020 draft. Ho-hum, not a big deal for them. They were fine. <laughs> they rebounded in 2021. That's a blip on their radar. Alex Cora was suspended in 2020, and he was welcomed back immediately once the season ended. Carlos Beltran, who was on the Astros at the time, he had been named Mets manager while this investigation was going on, and yet the Mets didn't really think much of it. They hired him as manager, and then when the report came out, ah, shoot, yeah, I didn't realize uh, that we were going to throw it all on the on the Astros, so they fired him as manager. You know, again, players like Pedro Martinez came out, and they did not criticize the Astros. They criticized the whistleblower. They criticized Mike Fires for exposing the 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 whole scheme. If you remember, that was the first domino to drop. And then, of course, our guy John Boy went in. He listened to the games. He put all the pieces together, and he did a big piece of that homework. But Pedro Martinez, player who was around during the steroid era, a guy who would have known, yeah, my teammates are using it. Look, this is what's going on. This is acceptable for better or worse. This is the sport. You don't, you don't rat. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I agree with it. But this is how the sport looks at these things. Even Jessica Mendoza of ESPN was a little disappointed saying whatever happens in the clubhouse essentially stays in the clubhouse, right? She she retracted those statements later on down the line. And just this past week on the Chris Rose rotation on John Boy Media, Chris Bassett of the Oakland A's 
said, quote, we knew they were cheating, talking about the Houston Astros. Quote, we knew what was going on. Every team in the big leagues knew what was going on. This is not to open up a massive can of worms kind of thing, but like Houston was not the only team doing stuff. There was a lot of people doing stuff. Then he mumbles his words a little bit saying it was just unfortunate. I mean, fortunately, but unfortunately, only one team essentially got caught doing it or was the guinea pig of it to clean the whole entire league up. End quote. Eric Kratz accused the Rockies of cheating in 2018. Now, I actually went back and tried to watch and listen to much of that game in question. Couldn't pick up anything. So, look, it's it's ugly. It is a black mark on the sport. But to simply say that the Astros were the only team and therefore the entire franchise should be punished in perpetuity when there's only four real players on the team. There's five. Lance McCullers Jr., who's a, who's a pitcher, but ultimately, again, we it, it was more the banging scheme was more about the hitters, right? Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, Yuli Gurriel, those four guys. They're still on the team. Everyone else, they had nothing to do with that. And yet, we feel like maybe they should still be punished. And you know what? The, the Rockies... I mentioned this before, the Rockies, you know, they may have suffered as well. They may have suffered from this scandal as well, because in 2018, again, we know that the Astros, well, (laughs) we know what they've said, that they cheated for part of the season before stopping. When, when, when does that mean? What does that mean? No one knows. No one knows or or no one's saying publicly yet. But the Rockies got screwed because in Houston, they split in a, in a series in, in mid-August between the Rockies and Astros. And Tyler Anderson got shelled on October 15th at Minute Maid Park. Got absolutely shelled. Now, the Rockies win that game. They don't need to fly to LA after the final game of the season, play 163, and then fly to Chicago and have to win the NL wild card game, and then go to Milwaukee after that. No, they win the NL West. And they then have home field advantage against Atlanta, a team that they went five and two against in the regular season. So believe me, I this scandal impacts all 30 baseball teams. It really does. But players are, are starting to come out and, and, and talk about this more. Uh, Joey Votto said it during the season, like, all right, look, these guys have kind of suffered enough. It's going to stick around with them forever. Go back and listen to the episode with AJ Hayfley where we basically decided, yeah, you know what? These steroid guys from the steroid era, they're paying the price now. And whether we... You know, we know Bonds, Clemens, we know they did it. But there are other guys who've suffered and are still being held out of the Hall of Fame because they're, they played during that era. Or eh, they might be a steroid guy. Or there's too many darn guys on the ballot and players like Todd Helton can't get the focus from voters that they deserve. 
And so there are those implications and they're suffering because of it. And so that's going to happen with Altuve, Bregman, Correa, because those three guys are, they're on a trajectory of a Hall of Fame type career. They still have a way to go. Altuve, of course, would be the closest. But nevertheless, when they come, when their time comes to go to Cooperstown, they might not make it in because of this. And then you say, okay, now justice is being served. And until that day, I understand if you think justice isn't being served or justice hasn't been served. So do with that what you will as far as whether or not you root for Houston or don't or think they should win or they shouldn't. It is your choice. And one more thing, too, before... No, you know what? I'm not going to go there with the historical implications again. Look, the Black Sox scandal is, you know, the worst scandal to happen in baseball history. There are rules on the books now about that. The Riot Act gets gets read to all 30 MLB teams at the beginning of, of spring training. We've even seen it decades later down the line with Pete Rose, who's still not in the Hall of Fame. That is... The, the Black Sox scandal is something that could have destroyed the game entirely. This, this scandal with, with Houston is, is not that. It's, it's not. It's bad. It sucks. It's, it's very similar to the steroid era. But it, it's not going to kill the game. It didn't kill the game. And, and again, these players' careers continue to go on. In fact, if anything... The punishments for Houston have been a lot more severe than the ones during the steroid era because nothing happened. We didn't really get to the meat of the steroid era until it was over and most of the guys had retired and, and had moved on. It, it definitely would have been nice for that whole situation to be cleaned up a little bit more than this one. It, this is still messy, but it's it's nowhere close to the Black Sox scandal. Now, Atlanta's got their own scandal. John Coppolella recently in 2017, same year as the banging scheme uh, that went down with Houston, he actually received a lifetime ban. Atlanta's general manager was found to have signed some international players through some, you know, tampering. And, you know, he he cut a lot of pre-draft deals with amateur players, which is common, but he was he went very far with it. He took it to an extreme. And again, the details of that never really came out entirely because the business of signing international players is already somewhat of a gross scenario, right? Some of these players are, are getting contracts of, you know, worth $300,000 and you go, wow, that's, that's really nice for these players from impoverished countries, but they're worth a lot more than that. They're worth a lot more to these teams. And if they make it to the majors, they sign extensions that are very team-friendly because, again, they come from poverty. So it's this, this trickle-down effect. And so that's, that's a situation unto itself. And so a, an example, again, an example is made of one person on behalf of an entire industry, which can be very necessary, but it doesn't necessarily mean one person is acting completely and entirely in and of him or herself. 
So Coppola gets the lifetime ban. His executives, Terry McGurk and John Hart, uh, were also found in violation of some of the rules. John Hart still works for MLB Network. I know he worked with MLB Network at least last year. Didn't didn't follow their coverage as much this year. But again, it goes to show you that if, if these infractions are so bad and these people that perpetrate these violations are so nefarious, to use that word again, you would think other baseball people, other folks in the industry would want to stay away from them. But that is not the case because it is just part of the industry. It's sad, but it is. And so on the onset, you go, Atlanta, all right, sure, yeah, they had some bad stuff, but we're talking about the game of baseball. We're talking about cheating, the basics in the game. So what's the problem with Atlanta? Their nickname. Their nickname. I, I'm sure I, I may have slipped up once or twice in saying Atlanta's nickname. But you can look it up. I will, I will give you $100 if you can find a single article I've written where I've referred to Atlanta by their nickname or I've referred to Cleveland by their nickname. Because when I got into sports media, someone pulled me aside and told me a story about a Toronto Blue Jays broadcaster who does not refer to Atlanta and Cleveland by their nicknames because of respect for the First Nation. And again, that's what that's what Canada refers to their Native American population as the First Nation. And I thought, yeah, you know what? That's if that's that's the least I can do is just refer to them as Atlanta a lot. And it can, it can be, you know, we, we like using synonyms when it comes to uh, to writing and journalism and the team nickname is is pretty important, you know, towards that. Nevertheless, it's Cleveland, it's Atlanta. That's how I've 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 typically had to continue to refer to them, even in podcast form. And so I thought that's the least I can do. It's like putting accents on players' names. That's their name. Their name is is spelled with certain letters, and certain letters have an accent. I need to learn that. That's part of my job. It's the least I can do. It is the least I can do. And so the Atlanta nickname, again, we, we've seen Cleveland go away from this, right? They already started getting away from the Native American imagery in, in 2019. And, you know, you, you, you look at it and say, well, it, it's honoring Native Americans. Well, a lot of Native Americans have, they're offended by this, right? They've made objections to this in the past. And Cleveland, their, their nickname, now 99.9% of the Google searches you do, searching Cleveland and their nickname, it will say it was to honor Louis Sokalexis, who was he was he was a member of the Penobscot Native Americans up in Maine. He was part of the Penobscot tribe. And, and in 1915, they Cleveland decided to pay homage to him. And I'll, I'll include a link in this podcast, wherever you're listening to it in the description, you'll see a link from Joe Posnanski. Check out the podcast. He's written some great historical books. And here's what he says, quote, in fact, 
In my national search of more than 300 national newspapers, I could not find a single mention of Louis Sokolexis in the entire year of 1915. The story I grew up hearing that the Cleveland Indians were named to honor Louis Sokolexis is certainly untrue, end quote. Now, the thing is, it does get a little more complicated because he does go on to say that the nickname does have something to do with him. But that's it. It, w- it wasn't definitively after him, but it has something to do with him. Because at that time, teams just didn't have, they didn't have merchandise. They didn't have branding. So the nicknames changed all the time. The Yankees became the Yankees because their original nickname was so damn long. They were the New York Highlanders. That does not fit in print on a newspaper. So over time, because they represented the North, they became the Yankees. They were the Yanks. Five letters made it real easy. Yanks. And the nickname officially then changed after that. Cubs got their nickname after one offseason when they brought in a lot of young players. Cubs. The Pirates stole, quote-unquote, or acquired a lot of players from other lower-level teams and other leagues. And so the scribes and writers started calling them the Pirates. They were the Pittsburgh Alleghenies before that. And so these nicknames were very fluid at that time. And Cleveland jumped on their nickname because Boston, the Boston Braves, had won the World Series in 1914. They they had a miracle run. And so that was, hey, you know what? That, That team just won it. Let's try to capitalize on this very popular Nickname. And so again, 99.9% of the sources you look at, they are not going to have that information. That Cleveland's nickname was not to honor Louis Sokolexis. It may have something to do with him, but it was not to honor him. That also, of course, leads us to the Tomahawk Chop. If you remember a couple years ago in 2019, and this this, I had forgotten this. Shout out to the folks in our Discord room. Again, that's one of the great reasons why you want to be a member of the DNVR.com because you have access to us directly and to all of the other members where we can talk BS about movies, Star Wars, wrestling, skiing, photography, food, and of course, all the major sports. It was brought up about Ryan Helsley, who is a Cherokee Nation member in 2019. How in the postseason, he said, yeah, the Tomahawk Chop is offensive. And so the Braves released a statement saying they would continue to evaluate how they activate elements of their brand and blah, 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 in a dialogue with those in the Native American community, blah, blah, blah. And what happened in 2021, they come back and the Tomahawk Chop is back. Keep in mind, our own John Gray is a descendant of the Cherokee Nation, courtesy of his grandfather. John is one-eighth Cherokee. Not that the fraction should matter. But this is something that impacts our community as well, right? Also with Atlanta, you can't forget about voter suppression in the state of Georgia, how Atlanta, you know, immediately after Travis Tritt is blocking everybody on Twitter, who's a strong opposer of vaccination mandates, mandates, excuse me, um, throws out the first pitch, game six of the NLDS. Again, Make your mind up. I'm not telling you where to think, and I'm not telling you you should be anti-vax or you should get vaccinated. I think you know how I feel about that. I want to try to be respectful. Maybe I shouldn't in this case, but 
Nevertheless, both of these franchises are marked, pockmarked. They're scarred in controversy. And in 50 years' time, when we go back and look, are we going to be more offended by the Native American nickname and the behavior of the fans that go to that ballpark and the team that tries to celebrate this? Or are we going to be more offended by the team that was the poster child for something that was going on all throughout Major League Baseball? I think we have to start thinking with that part of our brain and say, you know what? Maybe the villain over the last couple of years, they're still bad, but you know what? They are the lesser of two evils. And that's my two cents. That's all I got to say about that. Thank you all again so much for listening in. We got a great week of shows planned with Andrew Mason, Drew Goodman. I don't want to give away too many of my other guests just in case they do need to cancel. We hope that you've enjoyed everything you've been getting over the last couple of weeks. I love getting that feedback. Email me, Patrick at the DNVR.com. Of course, you can reach us, reach out to us at DNVR underscore Rockies on Twitter at Patrick D Lyons. And I, I just want to say it's, it's been an honor representing you guys here in the community, talking to you. I love the feedback that I've been getting. It's making me better. It's allowing me to give you the content that you want to hear. And it, it means the world to me that you've, you've allowed me to, to take the reins here and uh, take over the yoke as it may on this journey covering the Rockies here for DNVR Rockies. So again, thank you so much for DNVR Sports. I am Patrick Lyons, and thank you for listening to the DNVR Rockies podcast. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for the smiling Colorado sports fans, especially the DNVR listeners who switched over to the Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentists and it makes sense because they're the best damn family-owned dentists in the metro area and they are extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us we know Allie and Lindsay our sales director man they got their wisdom teeth removed and Green Mountain Dental Group checked on them every few days made sure medication was right they did a fantastic job and right now if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam you will receive a free sonic care toothbrush courtesy of Green Mountain Dental only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. 